Welcome back to episode 90 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Hi, this is Judy Stevens, producer. This is Sana Manath, director of content and character development. Now, over the last few years, we've seen Marvel expand, not only as a brand, but also in the approach we've taken with our comics and our characters, which is why we're doing the Women of Marvel podcast in the first place. Um, from the new iteration of Captain Marvel to making Amadeus Cho the totally awesome Hulk, we've taken a lot more chances creatively. We've challenged preconceived notions of who our heroes need to be and what they can look like. At the same time, our audience has grown and changed. There's no such thing as the standard fangirl or fanboy anymore. And as we've been showing with this podcast, it's no longer true that the comics industry is just a boys club. Amen to that. Holla! (laughs) So much of this change began behind the page with our writers, artists, and editors, each of whom bring a distinct point of view to the storytelling process. And while our audience has expanded, so have the creators themselves. We now work with novelists and journalists, comedians and TV writers, all who bring something brand new to the stories we tell. We truly believe that they are a big part of making Marvel what it is today. That is why we're excited to bring you a special segment on the Women of Marvel called The Voices of Marvel. It's a celebration of the creative voices here at Marvel, those who built Marvel's legacy and those who will continue to push it forward. This is a behind-the-scenes look as to who they are as artists, storytellers, and, of course, Marvel fans. So I'm very, very excited to launch the first Voices of Marvel segment. Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where the women of Marvel assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. I'm Adri Cowan. I'm the social media manager. I'm Judy Stevens, producer. And I'm Sanaa Manath, director of content development. Um, now, for our first official launch of the Voices of Marvel segment of the Women of Marvel podcast, we'd like to introduce a very special guest. And it's a big deal because, actually, he's uh, one of our first dude guests. Yeah! Yeah, dude! (laughs) Big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, Other minor details. uh, He's a national correspondent for The Atlantic Magazine, has written an incredible memoir called The Beautiful Struggle, and then went on to win the National Book Award for Between the World and Me, and then received the Genius Grant from the MacArthur Foundation. So we're literally about to talk to a genius... I don't know what that's like, Sana. <laughs> I like that he laughed at that. So maybe not. Of course, the most important thing that he's accomplished is writing the all-new Black Panther for us. That's actually true. <laughs> that's all facts, right? There. Yes. So without further ado, welcome the very awesome, very nerdy Tanahasi Coates. Tanahasi, this is where we all applaud. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you did it. We are actually very excited to have you here. Um, I know that it's been kind of a crazy 
couple of days for you because Black Panther by yourself and Brian Stelfreeze came out yesterday. Um, and you are kind of dealing with the fact that you're a comics writer for the first time. How are you feeling? Awesome. <laughs> Is a awesome. Little, little nerd in you kind of freaking out? Yeah, you know, every part of me is freaking out. I mean, this is not a, um, a particular... You know, a lot of people feel shameful about, you know, being in the comic books, and that was never me. So all of me is freaking out. Every single part of me is freaking out right now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. We have actually sold out... We told ta uh yesterday that we've actually sold out of the first printings of Black Panther. It's ridiculous. Ridic- it's crazy. 300,000 copies was our... Who are these people? Uh, they are crazy people like all of us. Thank you, crazy people, for giving us money. Also, I have not seen so much press in a while. I mean, just all the retweeting and the, the posting, there's so much positive coverage. Yeah. And it's really amazing. Yeah, and it's great, and it's bringing in a Wait, lot... Wait, can I, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. What... Because you would know better than me. And I, and I mean this seriously. I'm not, like, fishing for compliments. I, I literally don't understand what happened here. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I mean, when 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 Axel said, you know, what we're going to print out, you know, we have 300,000, you know, copies in order. It sounded like a big number. But, like, if you're not in the comics industry, it's like, uh, compared to what? Like, you don't, like, you don't yeah. really have a sense of what is going on. I think I have a better sense of what's going on now. But I, I guess I don't understand, like, what happened. Like, yeah. do you guys understand, like, why things blow up in the comic book world like what oh yeah well this is probably a much larger conversation i'll be honest with you black panther i don't think anyone assumed that we would make that much of a hit on the first issue i think it's a culmination of a lot of things and i think yourself and what you're bringing to the table is very very is very much a big deal um also black panther is a character that has gained a lot of popularity and significance yeah. in the last couple of years too. Yeah, so there's a curiosity about this character. Um, but no, we we generally, you know, for our non-Avengers, non-Spider-Man books, this number is extremely, extremely rare. And I think just a lot of different things have coalesced to take us to this very, very special place. And what's very, very important about this is that Comics in the last couple of years have been elevated to, I think, a higher status because of the Mm -hmm. fact that you have people like you writing, have people like Willow writing about important topics through the lens of the superhero. Um, So that's what people are excited about right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's bewildering to see, you know, it really, it really is. I mean, I, I, um, I have to tell you, you know, like when I, when I got the opportunity to thank you, Sana, above above all, you know, uh, for, for making that connection, um, but man, I was just trying to make the thing work. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, like, okay, just you know, how about you write an average comic? Just write, I mean, a comic that functions like a comic is supposed to function, that has a beginning, middle, and and somewhere people hitting each other. That was like my standard. I was like, All right, can I can I do that? You know, um, and you know, I'm, I'm excited for people to see more because you know I, I feel like the first issue is actually the weakest issue. Like that's actually the learning issue. Wow. Uh, and then by like issue four, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in a groove. I'm there. I'm in Wakanda right now. Like I'm here. I know these people. I know T'Challa. I know Anika. I know Ohio. I know Ramonda. Like I just, I felt like I was there, you know? So, so actually let's, you know what? Let, let's put a pin on that. Cause I want to talk about that a bit. Um, I want to first have like a really, really hard hitting question. Really mm-hmm. tough. Um, what was your, what was your first comic? 
So that's actually. <laughs> <laughs> he went into serious so, mode. He's like, oh. So, well, here's the thing. No, because this actually is a very important question, it is. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, as a child, you don't make many serious decisions, right? But as a, I must have been 10. I was either 9 or 10 years old. I made a very, very, very serious decision. And that was to buy, and I don't have the issue number on me, but it was to buy a Fantastic Four comic out of the 7-Eleven and to become a comic book collector. I was going to collect comic books. I made that this very deliberate decision. I had an older brother who collected comics, and he had them in order, and he had like this huge... It was impressive. You know what I mean? This huge collection of comics, and they were in these beautiful bags with these boards, and they were all in order. And, you know what I mean? It was like, wow. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know... And he had, you know, it was like this huge chronicle, you know, of, 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 of you know, these event, of these adventures of these great heroes. And it just mm-hmm. looked beautiful. And I remember, like, looking at his, uh, my older brother's Marvel Universe, you know, the old Marvel Universe, uh, where they used to basically give a, a breakdown of every hero. And they would have, you know, really technical uh, explanations for how the hero got his powers and how the powers works, worked. And I thought, you know what, I want some of that. I want some of that. Uh, I want I want to be in on that, you know. So I bought this Fantastic Four, and I want to say it's like issue two seventy something. Maybe I'll be yeah. able to Google it while I'm on here. Uh, but it's actually She-Hulk, and she is being manipulated by the Psycho Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was during the time when she was uh, with um, with the Fantastic Four, uh, and it's this really cool issue because basically she uh, Psycho Man was playing on all her fears and her hurt, and. What happens is she basically ends up, you know, overcoming all of that and, you know, freeing herself. She's basically a slave in that issue, but freeing herself from slavery. It's a great, great issue. I got to find Oh, I found it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have oh, the man, original copy? Can I, can I pull this up? Oh, that's too small. I see the cover right here. I'm going to have an issue number in two seconds. I'm going to I'm gonna know no, exactly what it was. 284. Fantastic Four, 284. Did, did your... Did your... Did your mother throw throw away that that first issue? Is it no? You got it? No, I know that's 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 like um, a formative experience for a lot of people, and that just didn't happen to me. Like um, my parents really encouraged comic book reading, you know, which is I think maybe some people would think is a little weird because um, like I grew up in a really political household, you know, it's very very conscious about politics and being black and would admit to be black. But my dad had read comic books as a, as, a, as, a, as a young man, and they were very, very important to him. My mother was a teacher. Um, reading was very, very important to her. Um, and the idea that I was going to willfully collect some sort of literature, I mean, I've been all the world. I mean, who, who would discourage that? I mean, I know it happens, but not, not really in the household I grew up in. Were there any characters in particular that you really connected with as a kid? Yeah. Uh, the big one was uh, Spider-Man. Big one. It was Spider-Man and the X-Men. And I think um, that has a lot to do with how I grew up. Um, so I don't know if you guys are going to get this, but I just sent you a picture this image that I remember of She-Hulk. That's when she conquers right. her fear and rebels. That was like, I saw that when I was like 10 years old, and I was like, oh my God, that is so awesome. So we're anyway. going to, so we'll, we'll, po- we'll post this uh, for you guys on our Instagram. <laughs> So you can see, you can you can see, experience how Tanhasi is nerding out in front of us. <laughs> so Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man and the X-Men for me. Those 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 were the ones. I mean, I that really. I mean, I, I bought Avengers from time to time. I remember you know some pretty cool Avengers story, but it was really Spider-Man and how like. I, you know, I, my, my first encounter with Marvel was like through Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Like so, it was like cartoons, right? And mm-hmm. so. 
and with superheroes, it's like through super friends. And so in my imagination, people cheered for superheroes, right? Yeah. And like they would boo Spider-Man. <laughs> and he would save the day and people would throw things at him. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like, that's what that's what we loved about him though. Yeah. Yeah, but that was so novel to me. Like I couldn't yeah. believe that was happening. The same thing would happen to the X-Men, you know, people try to kill the X-Men after they saved the planet. And that was like <laughs> There was something, like, really, really intriguing about that to me. Like, don't expect to be rewarded for doing good things. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. That's that's kind of fascinating. So did you internalize that in, like, a like a, a positive way? That, like, you're just going to do things for the sake... Do positive things for the sake of positive things rather than the reward? No, no, no. I didn't internalize that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, just going to make that money. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Not at all. But it just was like, listen, you know, the world is hard. Uh, <laughs> the world is hard. You know what I mean? And you should. I mean, I guess I could have equally taken the notion, why do anything good at all? Because you won't be rewarded for it. <laughs> you know? Um, but no, it just was like, you know, the, the world is hard. And it was something realistic about that. You know, I was growing up in, in West Baltimore at that point in time. This is the 1980s, in the middle of the, the crack era. Um, it is not a, a particularly good time in, in uh, Baltimore's history in the cities. And there were so many good people who I knew, yeah. you know, who were having such a hard time, you mm-hmm. know. And here you have this this comic book, you know, with, with these superheroes who, for all of their powers and for all of their, you know, great strengths and, and all of their might and everything, you know, good things don't happen to them. Yeah. You know, um, that was there was something really affecting about that. Yeah, that they had their own difficulties that you could connect with in some strange way. Right, and you weren't going to punch your way out of that. Like, yeah. you weren't going to, like, you know, go do something incredible and then the world was going to love you and everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you just as well might make things worse. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's that's how, I mean, that's what I connected with, with the characters that I loved. I also love the X-Men, and for me mm-hmm. it was that. It was that they had all of these difficulties and... They were strange beings and would go out and protect the world and come back and still need to deal with the, their, their differences and their, those difficulties that came with that. Yeah, yeah, no, it was that, that guy, and it wasn't what I expected. Like, I didn't think that, I remember not, like, I didn't know about mutants and what that meant. I didn't know, and I mean, obviously, you know, and I think this is for anybody who has ever, you know, either individually, you know, had some sort of foot on their neck or collectively, if you're, you know, LGBT, if you're, black, if you're a woman, if you, you know, you're poor. I mean, you really could be anything. I mean, we talk about the big social issues, but I mean, just on a person-to-person level, you could be the, you know, straightest, richest, you know, white male in the world. And I'm sure something at some point in time, you felt under it just as a person. Yeah. You know, and so, it, it, you know, those, those comic books really connected on, on that level, you know, uh, for me. And did, did reading these comic books and discovering them for the first time inspire you to become a writer? Were you just, when was the point where you were like, I, you know what, I, this is something I want to pursue? Oh, I didn't think I could pursue it. That's the saddest thing. Hmm. I, I, I didn't think I, you want to hear a story? I was telling, I was sitting up uh, with my wife, we were having dinner yesterday, and I was telling her, actually this is the day at lunch, sorry, we were having lunch today, and I was telling her, I was asking if she remembered Circa 2004, I was working at the Village Voice, and there was an ad posted on one of the media websites for an associate editor or something like that at Marvel. And I deeply considered applying. And, no I, remember, and I had this long conversation with her about whether I should apply. And I, I, I didn't, but I mostly didn't because I guess I didn't think I could get it. Like, I didn't think I could, I could 
do that. Like, it, it didn't occur to me as something that was actually a, a possibility for me. And I didn't know, like, I, I couldn't imagine that what I am doing right now was possible. And that is, you know, to be somebody who, with one side of his brain, is trying to process serious social issues. And then with the other side of his brain is, you know, kind of using that processing to, you know, actually, you know, deal in storytelling to tell people mm-hmm. stories. I, I couldn't connect the two things. But even beyond that, I just I just didn't believe that I would be successful. Um, when was so this? What year were you applying to be? I really I didn't apply. I mean, I really or, think this is like 04. I think it was because I was at the okay. Village Voice. It would have been like I came to wow. the voice in 02 and I left in 04. So it was sometime between there. Oh man! It was on media beach. Right I don't forget. It's an ad on media beach. I just I didn't send in anything. Adri, Adri said that we are looking for interns. If you're still interested, I am very interested. <laughs> in I'm really interested in that. <laughs> be great. You get That'd free comics. Awesome. You get lots you of. Know, I'm, not even, I'm halfway not lying because you know even still I don't quite understand how this works. Like I don't like really like I write a script. And I send it off, and I get these pages from Brian and Laura occasionally, but I'm just so curious about the process, like what is actually happening. <laughs> you know, in between the time that I send my script off and I get these these pages back. The whole process of it, I mean, is fascinating. It's a lot of screaming, and oh my gosh, we're late! <laughs> um, but no, yeah, once the pages come in and you look at that first board, it's, it's a pretty incredible site. That's when everything comes together. Um, yeah, but you guys are juggling a ton of books, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they work very hard. Yeah. So that, that like, must, like, I, I have some sense that that must be kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, the screaming is literal. It, it is happening. Right. You hear Tom Brevoort very often screaming and Axel stomping up and down the, the hallway in stress. Yeah, no. It, it ha- <laughs> you know, because one of the things that I don't think people understand, and I came to understand when I went to the first Marvel retreat, and I guess I understand, you know, because by then I had written a script. Like, there are people who are writing two, three, you know, I mean, this is high end, but like four, you know what I mean? Like, let's just say two or three, though. Like, there are people who, you know, might be doing, say, two for Marvel, maybe something creator-owned or something like that. They are artists, you know what I mean? And, I, like, I didn't understand that this work, like, doing the pencils is actually physically taxing. Like, I've got a lot of respect from, for Brian, like, actually, like, looking at the artwork and being like, oh, my God. You know, I don't... I, as a fan, I have to tell you, I do not understand, like, how difficult it actually was. <laughs> it's really hard. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it is. So so why don't actually you talk about that? Like, what is it about the, the actual creative process? Like, you're shifting from being a prose writer now to a comics writer for the first time. What has that been like for you to actually start saying, I have to now visualize and give art direction to an artist and create a story that is serial story and develop these characters. What was that? What was like that? What was that for you? Okay, so I'm going to try to do my best to walk people through this. And I'm going to be as candid as I possibly can. I don't think I'm going to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to be as candid as I possibly can. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying this. Um, so, okay, so I, I talked to Will, right? And Will says, you know, I'd like you to write back Black Panther. And I say, oh, that's great. I'd love to write Black Panther, you know? Um, and he says, okay, just need some sort of idea what you're going to do with the character. So first you have to come up with a theory, like, for what the what, what you want to do with the character, right? Yeah. Now, I hadn't read a ton of Black Panther before then. I had read some. I had read a lot of Christopher Priest's Black Panther. But when I was really, really into comics in the 80s and the, in the late 90s, there was no 
you know, single issue Black Panther. So first you have to go and research and find everything you can get, you know what I mean, to get some idea of the character. And then even if you actually know, like had it been Spider-Man, for instance, right, or X-Men, somebody was probably much more familiar with. So you still have to come up with an idea that's really, really different than what has actually already been done. And you have to come up with some sort of theory of who this person is and, you know, what a narrative might be that might come out of the world that they, they live in. So right. come up with that. That is not easy. I mean, ideas mm-hmm. do not come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Figuring out who somebody actually is and why they're doing what they're doing, in your opinion, mm-hmm. is, is not an easy thing. Then after that, you have to come up with a story. You know what I mean? You have to come up with a beginning, middle, and end. And, you know, for Will, like, it wasn't like come up with a story for issue one. At least that's not how we worked. Like, I think we got, I was contracted for 11 issues. Or and maybe even before I got the contract, I think I said, okay, here is a year. Here's a year, and then here's a beginning, middle, end for the story. And so, like, I had to think out, like, first, a grand theory of what would happen. Here's the beginning, middle, end of what happens. Here are all the beats. And then here are the beats for each issue. Like, I outlined every single issue. Like, and they have average probably about five, five or six scenes in every issue. Here's what happens in every scene for 11 issues. I mean, and while you're doing that, you're balancing all the continuity of everything that yeah. happened before. Secret, while I was doing this, while I was going through this process, Secret Wars was, was coming out. So Hickman's was, I was loving. I was adoring that. And so I was just, like, the idea where, you know, Obviously, T'Challa had, had played a big role in that series, and the idea of being able to pick it up from there was really, really exciting for me. Except I didn't know how it ended, right? <laughs> so it's like... You know, I don't think Jonathan did either. <laughs> right, 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 right. So here you are trying to come up with some theory of what's going to happen after Secret Wars without being sure of what happened, <laughs> you know? And so you're trying to balance all the continuity that's in your head beforehand, which I love. I love continuity. At the same time, you're trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to pick this up once this series ends, Series ends, even though I don't know how it's ending? And then you have to outline that for a whole year. And that is not... That's just the writing part of it. I mean, that, that, I mean God knows... I mean, you talk to Brian Stelfreeze or you talk to Laura about what, like, what they had to do to visually represent all of that. I mean, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's hard. It's hard. And there are people who are doing... Like, I was only doing one book. I mean, there are people who are doing multiple books. I mean, Jonathan is writing a story bouncing between, you know, when he's leading up the Secret Wars. I mean, he's bouncing between Avengers, New Avengers, yeah. Avengers World. I mean, trying to tell a coherent story all the way through. I mean, that is incredibly difficult. And it's really, really awesome also. <laughs> that's a lot of fun, too. Well, that's it's why Jonathan took a break. <laughs> no, I could totally see it. I could tell it's exhausting. It's it just... I mean, it, 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 it really, really, it gave me, a, as, a, as a fan, I'm going to tell you, I have a lot more sympathy for comic books. You know, I, I could never, and not that I actually had done this, but I probably was prone to do this, like to go on a fan site and just rage about how that last issue sucked, or this wasn't this, or this wasn't that. I, I completely lost my ability to do that after this. <laughs> so now that you've done all this research, you worked so hard on this, what is the story? Who is Black Panther? Where are we going with T'Challa? Um... I think I know. Um, I mean, I, I completed the season, so I do know. Um, I guess, I guess I do know. Um, well, how do I say this without spoiling anything? Let me figure out. Well, who, who is Black Panther to you? Well, how did you want to position him in this story? Here's what I think. Here's what I think. 
And other people, you know, when they read the book can, you know, might think something different and they, you know, because what I'm trying to do is I want to tell you what I think, but I don't want to get in the way of somebody, you know, interpreting it in another way. Okay. I think Sala is the king of Wakanda. I think he feels duty bound to be the king of Wakanda. I am not convinced that he particularly enjoys being king of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the crown weighs heavy, heavy on his head. I think if he could make a wish and, you know, make his life differently, different, he'd be off with the Avengers gallivanting around the world with no, you know, sort of, (laughs) you know, fantasy, you know, I'm sorry, with no sort of, you know, grand responsibility, you know, to a, to a country, um, would probably still be married to Storm or doing whatever, you know what I mean? Pursuing right. his, you know, romance. He would be he would be much more individualistic. But that's like that that's within all of us, right? Like within all of us is that, you know, if I could retire right now, if I had all the money to do X, Y, and Z, I would go and do that. But at the same time, he loves his country. He really, I mean, he truly, truly does love his country. He doesn't really experience it as 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 a, as a, as a um, it's the crown is heavy, but it's also a great honor. So it's a great honor to be king. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very conscious of his of his of his lineage. You know, he, he you know it takes his great honor to be, you know, the descendant of all these Black Panthers who, who've come before him. It's a, it's a big deal to him. It really, really means something. So I think he's caught in the middle of what he knows he has to do, and what he sometimes really, really wants to do. Mm-hmm. And and Wakanda is also like a really big part of that exploration, right? I mean. Wakanda for us, right? And you are very familiar. New York City is a character in itself. For right. it, that's a character. So I feel like you're trying to set up Wakanda in that sense. I think a lot of people know Wakanda, but they don't know Wakanda. And that, I mean, does that seem to be a big part of of the story that you want to tell Wakanda and the arc of Wakanda? It's a huge, huge, it's a huge, huge thing. I mean, it's. I mean, I think like you think about like all of the fantasy that we love. Um, Middle Earth is a character. You know what I mean? It's not just Aragorn. You know, it's not just Frodo. It's you know, Middle Earth is, is a character. You know, um, I actually don't watch Game of Thrones, but my sense is that you know they they've drawn that world pretty pretty well. You know, and that people have some you know like uh, uh, you know love for the world. I mean, and I guess this is like kind of the conflict for me as as, as a creator. Like T'Challa is the protagonist of Black Panther, but Wakanda is a very very important character, and I want you to care about. Wakanda, you know, I, 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 I do. I know it's called Black Panther. You know, me and Will, we talked about this quite a bit, actually. I know it's called Black Panther, and it's not called, you know, Wakanda, you know, or whatever. It'd be a better title than that. Tales from Wakanda, Astonishing Tales from Wakanda. I know it's not called that. You know, but I, I want I want people to want to live in that world, you know? I mean, that 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 is how I've always interacted with stories and, and, and with storytellers and, and with fiction. You know, I, I know that I've, you know, read a great story or watched a great movie when at the end, like, I kind of miss the world. Like, I miss inhabiting that place, you know, uh, not, not just the character. So it's very, very important for me to build this out. You know, I, 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 I want people to love T'Challa. I want people to be deeply moved by T'Challa, but I, I also want them to be deeply, deeply attached to Wakanda. Um, Marvel has a history of using superhero stories to make a larger social commentary about what's happening in the real world around us. So do you feel that the story you're telling with Black Panther fits into that tradition? Yeah, you know, but it's not, like, deliberate. You know, like, if you said, well, Ta-Nehisi, do you have some sort of statement about monarchy to make here? I don't. I don't. Um, I think 
like you can't help but have your politics bleed through into the creative process, but you don't go into the creative process to make a creative statement. Does that make sense? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I'm writing, when, I, when I'm writing for the Atlantic, and I write that—that that is my, my political position. And then there's storytelling behind that to advance that. But when you're writing T'Challa, it's like or when you're writing Black Panther, you're doing any you know, anything like that. It's like, okay, what is the story I'm telling? Like that—that that is the top. It's, it's flipped. You know what I mean? And I don't think too much about political statements. You know, like I don't—I don't really think why well, I need to be. You know, that there's a and can I can I spoil the first issue? Am I allowed to do that? I think so. I think people listening okay. to this better have read the first issue. Yes. Yeah, you better have read that. Don't, don't, you know, listen to this and then be like, oh, spoilers. <laughs> Pause and go back. Yeah, exactly. Go, just do it. All right. So, I mean, you know, we, we have this um, relationship between Tua the Door and Malache, uh, a romantic relationship between Tua the Door and Malache. I did not set out to say, hey, I'm going to make a statement here, you know, um, about same-sex relations, like I just that just didn't about lesbian relate. That that wasn't what came to mind. Um, what came to mind in the course of the research and looking at the Dora Milaje and looking at the tradition of being taken from your family, you know, at, at a young age, you know, of in some renditions, you know, being you know uh, a bride in waiting, in other renditions, just being a bodyguard in this strict sort of you know military discipline where you you give your life up effectively for the nation, you know, which is represented through the king. You know what? What freedoms do, do you lose? You know what? What you know? What ability to pursue certain desires, certain basic sort of human emotions, do, have, have have you lost in the course of that? Mm-hmm. And in thinking about that, the story came. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like you know, hey, you know, I'm gonna make a statement about diversity. You know, I mean, diversity is already baked in. That that's baked in. That happened like five conversations ago. You know what I mean? Like you can't get to the, the, the page and say, hey, now I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, X, Y, and Z already happened. Yeah, I don't think that you can tell. I mean, I deal with this a lot with, like, Ms. Marvel and Kamala Khan. I don't think that you can go in trying to tell a story about right. being gay, being Muslim, being black, right, right, whatever. Right, 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 right. You have to just tell a story that is about something, and you can the lens through which... They experiencing experience those things could be their race, their sexuality, whatnot. Right. But it is those the, the those ex- the authentic experiences that people have that actually start negating all of those you know the, the labels that we put upon all these people. That's exactly. I mean, it's yeah. just this sense of I think about this all the time, and this was told to me you know at a, at, a, at a much younger age, you know, when I was getting into writing. You get to the general by starting with the specific. Right. Do you understand? Like it, it, it's the specifics of Wakanda. It's all the specifics of who T'Challa is that will, you know, allow you to broaden out, you know, into this particular thing. And so, if you're dealing with, you know, these two Dora Malache, Ayo and Anika, um, and their relationship, you know, it won't just be, you know, obviously there's, there's a relationship between two women here, but it won't just simply be, you know, the, the you know, like. Like, it won't just be that. People will see themselves in that. They'll see yeah. bigger things about freedom. They'll see larger things about individualism. They'll see, you know, broader things about democracy in this very, very specific example, you know? And it's like that for anything else. You know, any great story, no matter how specific it ultimately is, usually has something to say about humanity. Yeah. And and I actually really appreciate that it's these characters. The Dora Malache are so fascinating to me because... They are the female bodyguards of T'Challa and the king. And who they are, I mean, the fact that they're women, 
and that there are these tough, powerful women who are protecting the king. And I know it kind of seems like there are these ladies in waiting and whatnot, but I think there's a way to flip that. Right. Um, and that's what you're doing with Anika and Anika's right. lover. And I, I'm so excited to see what happens with those characters. They're really yeah, you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta. Well, they ain't hard for you to find out. You just gotta. <laughs> go I already read that one. one. <laughs> I'm give you, you want to read the whole scene? Go do it right now. No. Though <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, not really. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, you know, this gets into like an issue of continuity. Like, you know, you know. To be honest with you, when I read, you know, the early renditions of, of the Dora Malache. I, I, I kind of had a problem with it a, a little bit. You know, um, there has been, uh, and I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't already know, uh, but there's been like this longstanding conversation, you know, about comic books and about feminism and about gender and how characters are drawn and, you know, what, how much agency characters have. And I, as somebody who, as a child and even as a young man and reading comic books, this, like that wasn't what I come, came to comic books for. But it wasn't something I objected to. It, like, went over my head without any sort of notice at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was only, you know, probably, I would say within the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, you know, of, of reading comic books. You know, I tell you, one thing will help is showing the comic books to your wife and then asking her, you know, what she thinks of them. You know, I mean, when <laughs> questions come up. What does she just think? Never you know, she said, I showed her Justice League one time and Vixen was on the cover, you know, looking, you know, as you see some of these drawings look, you know, overly busty. And my wife said to me, why she look like that? It's the simplest question in the world. Look, why she look like that? And I said, well, I mean, what do you mean? She's a superhero. She said, well, I mean, doesn't she fight? Wouldn't that kind of get in the way? Like, don't you? Like, have you looked at athletes and, and how they look? Like, somebody who actually would fight, does that actually match? And I thought, oh, uh, no, it doesn't. You know what I mean? And it's, these are things that would be normally obvious to me, right. you know, without... Another experience. So there's that. There's the whole, you know, women refrigerators thing, which, you know, I mean, all of that is like in in the background. And it's not like you set out to say, OK, I'm going to do this right this time. But you think, OK, I can't, I, can't, I can't do that like that. That, you know, forget any sort of politics. Is this does this actually match any sort of realism for what I want to happen here? So when it came to time to, to, to go to, you know, writing about the door of Malache, it was like, OK. You know, you don't want to burn down the house. Like, you want to be very, very respectful of continuity. But if this is a story about individuals, if this is a story about democracy, if this is a story about human rights and individual rights, you know, um, well, what do they think? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, what do they think? How do they feel about all this? You know? Let's, 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 let's get into that. Let's not just see them from the perspective of, you know, these you know, two sort of ornaments that, you know, protect the Black Panther. I mean, these are not, the Dormalashi are not just two spears. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not just weaponry for the, for the Black Panther. You know, they got minds too. Yeah. So what do they think about the world? How do they feel about all this? And that was just a tremendous storytelling opportunity. And, and honestly, you are like preaching to the choir here because that's so much of what we're trying to do here on the Women of Marvel podcast and the panels is about taking all of these, like these stereotypes, these traditional stereotypes and flipping them on their head and showing sort of the uniqueness of the experiences that all of our characters have, not just our female characters. We, we right. focus on them, but that's extremely, extremely important to do. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, and you, don't, and you don't have to, like, um, I keep saying this, but one of the, the, the great examples I saw, I saw um, um, Ryan, Ryan uh, Coogler's movie, who's going to direct uh, Black, the Black Panther movie, but I saw his, his, uh, his latest movie, Creed, and I was so enamored with how he was able to respect 
like what we would call continuity, like previous Rocky movies. Um, even though you know there's there's some you know racially problematic stuff in those movies, and just build off of. I mean, he just flipped it. He just said, "Well, okay, here's this this black dude, you know, Apollo Creed, you know, who kind of was the side character in this bigger you know Rocky legend. Why don't we just look at it from his end for a second? Let's look at his son. Let's just take it from another angle. Mm-hmm. Let's look at it another way mm-hmm. and see how it looks. And you know, in doing that, he didn't have to burn down Rocky. He didn't have to destroy the myth or destroy. You know, you got to destroy T'Challa. You know, it's no shot at T'Challa to say, okay, we're gonna look at this from a different perspective. Now. Right. You know, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna bring into a you know a, a, a broader view of things. You know, um, in that sort of way, I think it makes for a richer story. Actually, yeah, I think the the gray is where you actually get honesty right. and truth. Right, yeah. right. Totally agree. So actually, so can I ask, this is our, our, our last question, and then we're going to flip it to something kind of nerdy and cheesy. But my, my last question to you, um, you are obviously incredibly well-regarded writer. You've got immense fame in this these highbrow academic circles. What were people's reactions when you announced that you were going to be writing a comic book? Man, no, nobody understood except the people who asked me. They don't. See, it's right. See, that's, you know, it's it's kind of one of the hard things about getting those sort of accolades is those accolades erase who you actually are. You're right. I do have, you know, all of these, you know, academic accolades at this point, but I'm a college dropout, like literally. Like literally, like I dropped out of college to, to, to go writing. I was a horrible school student. You know, I mean, I would have much rather be doing what I'm doing right now than any sort of schoolwork and all that I was assigned, you know? And so, I mean, people that your your um, how do I say this? Um, your accolades, the things that the, the labels that people put on you, the prizes that, you know, you've been given this, you know, Atlantic, which I adore, MacArthur, thank you very much. <laughs> National Magazine, all, all those things, I'm very, very happy, National Book Award, I'm not ashamed of them, but they're not who I am. This is who I am. You know, like this is the truest manifestation of who I am. This is nine-year-old me. This is, mm-hmm. I mean, comic books are one of the oldest elements of my being. I mean, this is just, that's just true. I mean, that's just literally like you said, okay, what's been with you the long? Okay, this has been with me since I was like nine or ten years old. You know, and so, I mean... And I don't know, like, I, you know, I wrote about comic books when I was at the Atlantic, so it's, like, there. I mean, it's not, you know, hidden or anything. It's not like, you know, it's just not what people pay attention to. It's just not, it doesn't fit, you know, people's public perception of you. But I've never been ashamed of, and I've told people when people ask about, you know, what my literary influences are, you know, I tell them, you know, my oldest, you know, influences are three things, Dungeons and Dragons, hip-hop, and comic books, you know? Chris, <laughs> Chris Claremont, you know, was as influential to me as any of, you know, these, you know, people that you would put in any sort of canon. And I'm not talking about influential on how I write comic books. I'm talking about influential on how I write for the Atlantic. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where comic books live for me. And I, 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 don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't make people see that. You know, I, that, that's the way the world is. I mean, it's very, very hard for people to, like, like they think you're joking or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like... So, I don't know. No, nobody really understands it. They don't, they don't really quite get it. I think saying accolades erase who you actually are is like such a powerful statement you should yeah. i mean that's the way that we should raise our children like that's what we should say to our kids yeah yeah no don't 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 get caught up in it don't get caught up in it. it's very very important that you remember who you are at the, at the core of your being this is what i wanted to do 
You know, I was saying, I said this on NPR the other day. What, what the hell is the point of being declared, you know, <laughs> a MacArthur Genius Grant winner and not getting to do what you really, really believe in your heart? Like, what, what was the money for? What was the prize for? You know, they said, you know, they told me, they said, you know, listen, this is to support you, you know, going out there and doing something brilliant. Here's my brilliant thing. It's my brilliant thing. I hope. <laughs> I hope. I mean, it's working. The sales numbers, it's selling out. Uh, the amount of buzz that we've gotten for this book alone is absolutely incredible. So whoever did not understand why you were doing it, they're probably about to go try to find an issue one comic right now. That, and, and there's the because you're doing this, you're bringing a crossover in genres. So you're bringing in an audience that you might have already had and now they're going to go and read some comic books because of you or I really hope so I really I mean it's just like like I really you know I mean and so like that's one of the things and I'm probably going to write this like for the Atlantic really soon like okay it's cool you like this book but you really need to go check out the fish and you really need yeah. to go check out and man right now like you you really should not you really need to go check out the new you know Black Widow Scarlet Witch joints like don't don't stop here. Don't go in the comic book section and say, yo, give me number one and then leave because you missed the whole experience. I mean, that was, I mean, I went in, you know, looking for X-Men, but I might wander over to, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. You, you know what I mean? Power Man and Iron Fist joint. Like that was, that was what, what, that was part of the whole experience in the browsing. You know what I mean? They're going through and, you know, falling into different worlds. I, I hope that's true. I'm urging people not to stop here. Now we have some quick fire questions for you. Um, so this is the fun and cheesy part that I was referring to. <laughs> this is for the nine-year-old Tanahasi. Okay. okay. Right. First cool. important question. Of course, Civil War face-off. Whose side are you on? Team Captain America or Team Iron Man? Uh, I, I know whose side T'Challa's on. I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, if it's done right, I'll be deeply conflicted, right? I mean, that, that's what's supposed to happen. Right, but we're talking yeah. nine year old, nine year old Tanahasi. Oh, Forget nine year old me. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can answer. Nine year old me is a rebel. You know, nine year old me is going to be on Iron Man's side. We're talking about Civil War Two, right? Civil War. We're talking about no, the the Civil War. We're talking about the movie. The movie. Oh, the movie. Talking, yeah. Talking, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I hope I didn't give anything away right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the movie. I'm gonna be on Captain America's side. I mean, that's nine year old me, right? You got to be the rebel, right? Although I think Tony's probably right. I mean, come on, you're walking around with basically a, a nuclear weapon and you don't want to be registered? I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. But I would have gone with Captain America. <laughs> Good, because these questions are for nine-year-old you. <laughs> okay, who's your Marvel crush? It can be general neutral, so either male or female. As nine-year-old you. Nine-year-old you. Nine-year-old you. I mean, I loved. Oh, it was Mary Jane Watson. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. I was going to say it wasn't one, but it was Mary. It was Mary Jane Watson. It was Mary Jane. That was like difficult because I was thinking about heroes. And I was thinking about how much I loved Storm, but I don't think I really had a crush on her. But it, it was Mary Jane Watson, and you know why? Because um, you know, and you would read the back issues because Gwen Stacy was dead by then. But it was like Gwen Stacy was kind of this. I got a whole post on this that I'll send to you guys that you should link about this. Um, but. If you, if you want to, if you find it relevant, I have to do it. But, I mean, Gwen Stacy was kind of this, like, you know, good girl, everything is straight. And Mary J. Watson was just a total mess. <laughs> In a really, really cool way. Like, again, I mean, I, I felt like she was such a fully formed character. I mean, that, that issues. That's an issue, I think, maybe it's like 259, I think, of Amazing Spider-Man. But they actually go through her entire origin and backstory. 
I mean, it was like really like that. I thought that was just so so cool. Like she was the most of all the love interests that I you know read about in, in comic books. She was the most I thought fully fleshed out and, and fully drawn. And she was a hot redhead, so I mean, that's just that. <laughs> okay. that was the last thing I noticed. You know what I mean? That was like the last thing I noticed. <laughs> okay, so, so one more. Would you? This is a would you rather question. Would you rather be stilt man or mole man? <laughs> God. Oh, God. God me. Mole man, I guess. I mean, he's a king. <laughs> that's there true. You go. That's true. That's with the theme. <laughs> Um, okay. All right. That's all we've got at the moment. We are about to get uh, us kicked out of this room. I know. This has been amazing, not to interrupt Sana, but just listening to you talk, I wish we could just have you hang out with us on the podcast every week and just talk to yeah, us. Yeah, you'll be inducted as the new woman of Marvel. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, that is the highest of all of my alkalines. <laughs> that is an alkaline who I am. That, that's a woman of Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we print out a little, like, like placard, and we'll mail it to it's you. Like no prize? Like no prize. <laughs> it's legitimately a no prize. Yeah. <laughs> I am the envelope. Um, Tanahasi, thank you so much for taking the time. This was so, so, so much fun. Um, We appreciate it. For those of you listening, go check out Black Panther right now. You can either go to your local comic shop if you can still find a comic. Uh, We will hopefully have a second printing. If not, you can also download it on uh, the Marvel Comics app. Uh, and of course, uh, check out the next issue, which I believe will be out in another three or four weeks. Issue number two, Black Panther number two. Um, again, thanks so much for being here. We had a great, great, great time. Thank you, guys. It was a ball. Thanks. Thank you. So there you have it. Uh, Thanks for listening to the first Voices of Marvel segment on the Women of Marvel podcast. We had a great time talking to Ta-Nehisi. We hope you enjoyed it as well. It was great having him nerd out. I think he was very much enjoying that as well. I wish we could have talked to him all day. But sadly, we all have work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the Voices of Marvel is something that we're going to continue to do on this podcast. Uh, We are planning on announcing the next slate of writers that we have. Um, So make sure that you look out on our social media and, of course, on our Instagram to let you know who's coming up next. We're very, very excited. Um, We really want this to be an opportunity for our listeners to hear about the creative process for our writers, but also their transition from where they were before to what they're doing now. So obviously, if you guys have questions, um, please participate. We are all ears. We'd love to hear what you think um, and also suggestions of people you'd like to hear from. Agreed. Obviously, if you guys have suggestions, you can email us at womenof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel hashtag womenofmarvel. We will be back next week with our continuation of our Marvel's Daredevil Season 2 interviews. Um, We're super excited to be talking to a bunch of people from behind the scenes. So uh, holler at us on the emails and the tweets, uh, and we will check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.